We've heard before that there is a right time for everything. Different seasons can call for different biblical responses. However, as Christians, we don't always know what we should do and when. Thankfully, the Bible offers us wisdom and discernment during times of confusion. Today, Rev. Kevin Gray Sandy will take us into Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1-8, through 8, where we will learn how to respond to the different stages we come across in our lives. Well, today we're going to go, um, we'll be looking in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. These are some very perilous, challenging, confusing, um, disruptive times. And my message is for the believers, uh, for the Christians out there, um, for all of us as a church, um, to be able to respond appropriately. And through the word of God, I believe that is what will happen. That is always the thing that we have, the word of God, to help us to know how we should respond and where our hearts should be set. So if you would, please turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. And we'll be starting off in verse 1. And it says here in verse 1 of chapter 3, Ecclesiastes, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the, under the heavens. Time to be born and a time to die. Time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. Time to weep and a time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Verse 6, there's a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Back in the 60s, times were extremely turbulent. There were race riots, civil war protests. People were at war and protesting um, about the war in Vietnam. Um, there were assassinations of some of the most um, beloved leaders at the time. Uh, JFK was assassinated, Martin Luther King, Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy is uh, assassinated. There were things that were going on where it seemed like every other year, or sorry, or every other month, that things were out of control. And during that time, there was a song by the birds where they took this scripture and turned it into a top hit. Um, turn, turn, turn. And probably almost everyone, I'm sure, has either heard it or is very familiar with it. But that scripture is so appropriate. It's so appropriate then, and it is appropriate now. By taking it apart, we won't look at every verse, but I would like us to see some things. In verse 1, when it said a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, there is always something that is going on, and there's a time for everything. And looking at it more closely, when you look in verse 2, it says a time to be born and a time to die. God sets the times for when we are born. Matter of fact, Acts chapter 17 tells us he determines when and where 
Nations will rise up. People will rise over. People will be born. You were born at a certain time in a certain place for a certain reason, and it is for God's purpose. You. It is not for man in his limited understanding to determine when a life will end. As a time to be born, God determines that time. Things like even late-term abortions, when man takes it upon themselves to decide when that living being who has DNA, who has an identity, matter of fact, has a personality set already, they take it upon themselves to design um, a way and a method to terminate that life. Um, there is a time to die. That is God who determines when it is time to die. When people commit suicide, self-murder, that is not something that is up to them. And when we are filled with whatever kind of um, pain, anguish, and hopelessness that drives the person, even someone right now who might be thinking about determining when their life will end, I tell you this, no, leave that to the Lord. There are lives that should have come onto this planet. There are lives that were terminated in the womb that who knows how many of them had the cure for cancer. Who knows how many of them or the next Beethoven, um, the next Einstein. We don't know. Uh, this is not to make people feel guilty and bad. This is to look at the reality of what the scripture is saying. And it is the same thing with death. There are people who have determined to take their own lives only a year later to be so grateful that they did not. There were people who were supposed to be, um, that the plan was to have them aborted. And when they grew up, it became such a blessing, even long before they grew up, such a blessing to the mother or to the father, whomever, that that life did not end. It is up to God to determine when and where those things happen. That is his jurisdiction and him alone. The next thing we look at is in verse three, where it says a time to kill and a time to heal. There's a very famous story in World War I with Sergeant Alvin York. He was a pacifist. He did not believe in killing. And he, because he became a Christian, um, had made up his mind that to take a life when he was drafted to go to World War I, uh, uh, when he was uh, in World War I, that he would not go. So he was a conscientious observer. But while he was out there, there came a time, well, though he did his best not to take a life, and though it, 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 him um, being a conscientious observer did not get him um, out of the war, where he at one point had to take a machine gun nest filled with Germans. And believe it or not, he was able to take that nest where they were, I think, I don't remember exactly how many there were, but I do know this. He had to kill. And there were 25 men that he killed, 25 soldiers of the enemy that he killed. And his reasoning and rationale was this, by having to take those lives when he had no other choice, he was actually saving lives because where they were positioned, they were killing um, American soldiers and allied soldiers. But there was 130, it's an incredible story, uh, but over 130 he captured without firing a shot by himself. You can look it up. Sergeant Alvin York, there was a time to kill. That time was to save other lives when there was no other choice. Now, there are people who will rationalize, especially in the sinfulness or illness of the mind, that say, well, I'm taking a life now because I know they're going to hurt someone else. Things like bombing, abortion clinics, and so on. That is not what's being described here. It's talking about imminent, immediate danger. 
self-defense, there's a time to kill. And also it goes on to say there is a time to heal. Very often we can rationalize why it's a reason, uh, why the reason exists for us to, uh, to hurt, maim, and yeah, take a life. But there's also a time to heal. And very often, church, what ends up happening is that even as we are screaming against injustices, and even though we uh, at times are so upset by something we see and hear, what we do is that we jump right in. And rather than just protesting the sin, we get to the point where we start name calling and actually fanning the flames that only causes more unrest and actually just does more damage. That is not healing. The believer who was being challenged there to help to heal. Remember this, name calling never helps to heal anything or anybody. Using your flesh to try to resolve an issue which ultimately is all really spiritual and all the world's ills which are really wrapped up in a world that does not have the gospel in their hearts. It ends up really just doing more damage when the things that we say, the things that we post, and not everybody has access to, to social media, where we actually very often there are believers who do more damage than good. And it does not bring about any sort of healing. Next, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to weep. You know, too often what happens is the flip side. People are quick to protest about how you know, there are, though there may be um, oppressive systems and oppressive people who are taking advantage of those who are hurt and those who are being killed and lives that are being snuffed out unjustly. Well, you have to understand that there's also good people there. Well, we know all that, but there is a time to simply weep, weep with the mothers, weep with the families, weep with those who have lost someone that they can't get back. There's a time to weep. And very often the only appropriate response is to take the politics out of it and simply cry with your Asian, with your Latino, with your black, with your white neighbor who is going through pain. And that is something very often that the believer can fail to do because they still or can resort to worldly methods and worldly thinking rather than God's thinking. Believe me, Christ wept. Shortest scripture in the Bible is Jesus wept when Lazarus was dead, when he was among those who were weeping, when he was among his sister and those who were mourning the loss. Believers, we are to imitate Christ in everything. And one of the things sometimes that you cannot expect the world to do, weep with those who have lost, don't expect the world. You can challenge them on it, but make sure you don't become that, that way yourself. There are some that sometimes it's hard to believe what their responses are to pain. Years ago when there was a, a, a shoot up in a nightclub and the nightclub was uh, known for having a lifestyle um, that did not coincide with biblical lifestyles. And there were some people who actually was wondered, um, well, how do we respond to this? I'll never forget R.C. Sproul's response. What do you mean how to respond? We cry with those who cry. They're hurt. They're hurt. If you're a disciple, not a churchgoer, then you understand the need to weep with those who weep at times. When there's a police officer, matter of fact, I can tell you straight up, I remember a couple of years ago, two officers sitting in a car. It was during another time of unrest. 
and they were both assassinated in their cars. And believe it or not, I remember someone who was a, a churchgoer who the immediate response almost was feeling a bit glad or having the attitude, well, you know what goes around. And it's astonishing. Then go pick up the Bible, sit in church and sing. No, no, protect your heart against those demonic thoughts. Their family wept. They may have been two of the best people on the force. We don't know. Another reason you can't have sweeping judgments on any group or any people. But the believer should be above, and not because we have the ability to, but the Holy Spirit brings us to another level. The Holy Spirit does not fall into that. The Holy Spirit does not lead us to think as the world does. It leads us to be on another level. And that is so urgent and important and needed this day. The next thing that we end up seeing here in the, in, the, uh, in the following scripture, it says, and there's a time to laugh. Believe it or not, there are times when we can become a little bit too sanctimonious. And I'm not here to judge and explain who. Title of this message is choosing the right time or having the right time. That's what, the, um, the, uh, what we are denoting here is when is it the right time to do something? Well, one thing that you know is the right time. Sometimes it's the right time to laugh is what the Bible says. And there are times when there might be just a funny meme, even about the coronavirus in the middle of a pandemic or in the middle of something horrible, because sometimes you do need to laugh just as a sense of relief, to give you a sense of relief at times, not at the expense of others and not to hurt other people, but sometimes you have to laugh. And God gives us that blessing as well. Next, it says that also there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Yes, there's a time to mourn. A time to mourn, we can now know that there is a time to mourn with George Floyd's family. There are people who have actually heard things where they are upset because they start to look into his background. Let me say this, look into anybody's background, you won't find Jesus Christ unless he's cleaned it up. But there are times when we look into things that honestly is not the time for it. Being murdered, publicly in a way that took so long and having a life slowly ebb out. And to me, the worst part of it, having him cry out for his mother who had been dead already, I believe two years, that was tragic, emotionally heartrending and horrible. And it's a time to mourn with him and the family. There's nothing else to be said at times cleaning up what could have been done better and so on and so forth. Sure, that can come later, saying that uh, investigating all that went behind it and all behind the scenes, sure. But if you don't have the wisdom to know when to mourn, especially as a Christian, then you're not going to be of much help. And it's not very Christ-like. And it says a time to dance. When do you dance? You dance when there actually are some reforms. There is a time to dance when laws and legislation are actually being more scrutinized, when police methods are being scrutinized. That's a time to dance because that is the end of that is to bring about some form of justice and to prevent this from happening again. There was not dancing in the past because very often there were no changes in the past, only arguments on both sides until it becomes eventually so politicized that nothing gets done. So there's a time to dance. Moving forward, it says also, there's a time to embrace. 
Same verse five, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. You know when there was a wonderful time to embrace? When you saw protesters embracing police officers. I don't care what you say. I don't care how you want to put it. I don't care how you want to slice it. I don't care if you're a self-styled radical. I don't care. There are very few hearts that are not moved when they see even a form of reconciliation. We are made in the image of God. God is not separate. God is not divided. The only thing that is divided from God is darkness and sin. And when people come together and in the midst of confusion, in the midst of violence, in the midst of anger, in the midst of emotions rising high, they can stop to hug and love. There's no social media there to start immediately um, planting seeds of more division and hate. You see a cop hugging some young man and tears are flowing, there is nothing that symbolizes at least a fraction of what heaven will be like. And there are some who hate it. There are some who hate it. Bitterness and resentment has grown too hard and too high and too deep. There are cops who have watched fellow officers gunned down, gunned down needlessly, violently. And for some of them, it's taken everything they can to hold back, to hold back from what they'd really like to say and do. God understands. God understands the innocent cop who was trying to save a life and then took a bullet, never to go home again to his wife and kids. Black, white, Latino, Asian, God knows. God knows, even if the masses don't. And there's a time to remember those. God knows every innocent man who has been pulled over or stopped somewhere and based mostly on whether or not he is a man or a woman of color has taken a bullet or choked to death. And he did what it did not warrant, whatever it was that he had done. God knows, God knows. And believe me, God deals, which is something that many people have forgotten. God deals more effectively than man ever could. And God is more, is more filled with indignation and finds it more repugnant because he is all good and all pure and all clean than you possibly could. We go by emotions very often, and sometimes emotions are appropriate, but sometimes they bring about inappropriate, inappropriate um, results. Well, it says there's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. World War II, after it was all over, almost all over, when Europe had, uh, the, the, the countries in Europe had already fallen and surrendered, and the last thing left was Japan, who had still held, had still held out in the Pacific. And when they finally, finally had made up their minds to surrender, it wasn't until they signed the treaty, unconditional surrender. It was at that point that the war was over. And it was at that point that the United States general could shake hands with the leader of Japan's armed forces and say, okay, now it's over. Now we can embrace. Now we can. My friends, there's a time to refrain from embracing. And that time comes when there is one side that has not Fully, forget about them fully understanding, because some people will never understand, but they do have to know this. 
no more. No more. And there are times when, is it, when until laws are passed, until justice um, is shown by even arresting certain people, there are times when, well, got to hold back on some things until the whole deal is done. That does not take away from in time from embracing in the middle of a conflagration. That is a different issue and a different time, a different thing. Also moving on, if we look um, in verse six, when it says a time to search, a time to give up, it says a time, a time to keep and a time to throw away. There are some things to be kept and there are some things that need to be torn away. There are some laws and systemic types of uh, policies that have to be thrown away. They have to be thrown away. There is a time to keep some things in place. There are certain laws, there are certain um, branches of government that have to be kept in place. And overreacting one way or another does not help. Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that also the man of righteousness will avoid all extremes. And just real quick, we have to understand the damage and the obstacles that extremism causes. We talk about extreme Muslim, uh, radical Muslim. We talk about even extreme uh, right wing, extremism uh, when it comes to left wing. Extremism is never something that God has endorsed. As a matter of fact, he has warned us against it. And what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter seven is that there's a, that the man of righteousness will avoid all extremes. You have protesters who are going out and it can touch your heart. I know it's touched mine when I have seen such um, uh, respectful, uh, well-behaved, peaceful protesters. However, they're in no unequivocal forms have they shown that they are compromising the wrong that was done. Moving forward, protesting against the wrongs that have been done to people of color. And while doing something like that, there's another part that is extreme. And that's when you see the looting. That's when you see the destruction. And even people who have rational minds condemn such behavior because they know it has only taken away from the message that the protesters are putting forward. And when you start hearing things, rumors, whatever, and I don't want to get into all that because I want to make sure that we don't leave the main message here that God gives us. Once you start having those who are extreme and who go the other way too much, you will see that every protester is condemned. Just the fact that they have things like um, Black Lives Matter, and I'm not talking about just this current issue. I mean, throughout the hundred years, there have been race riots, civil war, women having to protest. There have been extremism when it comes to, uh, again, abortion, when it comes to uh, radical Muslim, when it, um, um, Muslim movements. You have the, you, name it. There have always been those who go too far left or too far right. Neither one of them brings about what it is God is looking for. And there, very often the truth is that people, just so they can express their sinful nature to be set free, to be who and what they'd like to be without God holding them back, they use these opportunities to go full, to go full, to go extreme, to go as far as they could 
and as they can to express the wickedness that's already in their hearts. This is only giving them an opportunity. I can't say this. I'm not, I don't know everybody, but I do know this, and I know that this is a problem. There are those who once black or uh, people of color talk about the history of the United States. No, we don't want to hear about it. Let's just talk about the good. One is extreme. So then now you end up having cases where extreme right-wing people take it upon themselves to use vigilante justice. Matter of fact, forget the word justice. They take it upon themselves to use that opportunity, that opportunity to express their own sinful hearts. When people are crying and crying out for something that the country claims it is all about, all men created equal. No, my friends. And then how many people who are white are protesting with the protesters? Why? Why? Because, like I said, we're made in God's image. They're not extremists. When you find people who are really standing up for what is right, you will find a mixture. There are men that protested to make sure that women could vote. It's the way that it is. But at the end, we'll even touch a little bit, even more so, the evidence of all this. I hope this is making sense to you. Because what the Bible is saying here is that there's a time. There's a time. Time to keep, and there's a time to throw some things away. One of the things that is a time very often that you're finding to throw away are things that glamorize and glorify parts of our country that, quite frankly, parts of our history, that there is nothing really to celebrate. Now, there's a time to keep. There are some things that people want to keep because it's a part of the good part of their heritage. It's a part of the right things that were done. It's a part of, a, a, a part of their history that in many ways uh, made them feel great about who they were, their heritage. There's a time for many things. And there's an understanding. Nobody, or um, rarely does anyone want to completely throw away their entire history. So there's an understanding why they'd want to keep some things. On the flip side, there's an understanding also that there are some symbols that represent nothing but pain for others. And there are some people even currently today that will use that, those are wicked hearts, who will use some of those old symbols even to throw jabs at people of color. I've seen things. I've things, seen things written. I've seen people talk um, mock, mock slavery. I've seen that happen also. On the other hand, there are people who are completely ashamed of that part of their heritage. Only God knows the human heart, and God knows these people, and God will bring about justice. That is up to him. You cannot, again, paint everybody with the same broad brush. There are white people that have lost their lives for civil rights. God will pick and choose who will receive his justice, not ours. So there's a time to keep, time to throw away. There are some symbols in my mind that just need to be thrown away, should have been thrown away long ago. My opinion. You look at it and I sometimes wonder what in the world is there to symbolize anything that represents what America is truly about? What is there? Honestly that we can look at and say that really represents our values. Nothing. Generations have passed now. Whatever was held on to the past, is it time now for the next generation to build a better and healthier thing? 
We'll touch on that in a bit. I hope that, again, this is making sense. Next, says there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. When is there a time to be silent? When nothing but emotions and, and worldliness is going to come out of the believer. There are things that I cannot believe at times. And the believer get, can be caught up in it. Now, let me say this when I say the believer. And, I, and again, we'll touch on this in the end. There's a big difference between a churchgoer and a disciple of Christ. There is a huge difference. I don't care if you go to church every Sunday. There are some people that have never changed and never grown, and their hearts have not been touched by Christ. They have not been. That's not me judging. I'm saying the Bible lets you know that. That when he comes back, they're going to be some wondering, how come I'm not, how come I'm not a part of going up to heaven with, with y'all? How come I'm not a part of this? How come I didn't get in? The Bible tells you that Christ will say, I never knew you. Years ago, there was a um, someone, Republican, um, politician, adopted a child, a baby. I remember if it was, um, uh, I know it was a child of color. And it was stunning to me, not what the world says. I expect the world to say and do things that are fair and unfair. But it was stunning to me how there were some believers or Christians who actually just called it a political ploy, judged him where his heart was, who he was, who his family was, and how wrong and evil they really were, and they were just using this child. How dare you? Even if you're right, how dare you step into God's territory? How dare you? There's a time to be silent. Emotions are swinging. Emotions are high. So now you say whatever you want. Unbelievable. And then there are those also. It's a time to be silent. They stand up and that anyone, anyone who says anything and they come from a, the Democrat side or they come from the, say, left wing or, or whatever you want to call it. I really hate getting into this so often, but we are so divided at a as a nation and the believer is called to be a healer, not part of the problem. And so often it almost seems as though. Some um, some people, whatever groups they belong to or political affiliations, have taken upon themselves to determine what Christianity really is all about. And they completely go against biblical values because it all has become politicized. And they very often just need to be silent. Christians need very often to know when to shut up. Don't get on that on that, uh, don't get on your computer and don't post something right now until you stop, you get the facts, you calm down, and you write something that you know you can feel comfortable if Jesus was physically standing right next to you. Not something that you're going to have to regret later on. And I've seen much like that from both sides. I've seen it from white, I've seen it from black, and somehow they think, well, right now I'm God's press agent. Let me put this out there. And it has not done anything to help. So one of the things you have to do is wait at times until you can show appropriate empathy. Next, when we talk about time to speak, there are times when people just sit down and say nothing. They say nothing, even when their opinion is asked. We're not talking about boring right in and then just um, shoving your opinion into something, but times when you are being asked, how do you see this and that issue? And there's a time to speak and just simply say, biblically, I cannot support that. I have been asked a number of times about very controversial issues. Where do you stand on this? And my answer is this, forget about what I think. But biblically, I cannot support such and such a measure, such and such a, uh, a decision. Biblically, I can't. And that's it. 
my time to speak. What would the Lord have me say? And very often we are speaking from the flesh, not from the spirit. It says also that there is a, a time for war and there's a time for peace. There's a time for war and, for, and there's a time for peace. Now, there are wars that have been only, only fought because of greed, because of ego, even religious wars that have nothing to reflect what God is from. There are also wars, and some people have said, that there are also some wars that are, as we like to refer to World War II as the last good war. Now, let's not get caught up in the vernacular and in the words that are used. We know what, we mean, what they mean by that. It means by the fact that there was one, um, one country, one party that had gathered others that made up their minds, the Axis powers, that we're going to rule the world and we are superior. Matter of fact, you watch any movie nowadays, once it has Nazis involved, they don't have to spend a whole lot of time developing um, their point of view. They can spend the time writing the story and making the movie about everybody else because everyone already knows that the Nazi party is evil. It's just taken as a given. And you, you stop and you think about some of the most successful movies. Why? They have that element in there because what you want to see is the eventual victories of the good guys and it sure as heck were not the Nazi party. There were some wars that had to be fought to preserve the world, to preserve life, to preserve anything that was decent in this world. And there's a time for peace. There's a time to call an end to it all. There are so many examples of these things. When it was a time to just simply say this war serves no purpose. Nobody wanted the war in Vietnam. Well, very few. And nobody celebrated more or no more was, was celebration celebrated any, um, any louder or with, or with more um, uh, vociferous joy than when the Vietnam War finally ended. Now, regardless of where you stand on that, that's, a, that's not the issue here. The point is there's a time for peace and people very often are involved or watching or a part of wars that quite frankly, nobody wants. Even World War I, America held back for so long until finally there was a ship that was sunk, but it had American citizens on board, and then they had to become a part of it. So there are times you'll hear both sides of the argument. Why did we find, how come we took so long to get involved? And then there are other times you hear the other side of the argument. Why did we get involved in the first place? Well, the Bible says there's a time for war, and there's a time for peace. And you may not always agree when and where, but the believers to understand that, that that is something that is true. So in conclusion, a couple of things, just a couple of things for us to, to understand. There are times when emotions are running so high and there are times when things get so politicized, it just seems as though the wrong thing happened. There's a horrible story years ago, not very many, perhaps within, um, I, I believe within the last 10 years or so, horrible story of a doctor in a home with his wife and he had two young daughters, teenager and I think one was a preteen. Home invasion, home invasion. The doctor is tied up, the husband, the, the, the wife is forced to go to the bank with an ATM card while she is away 
or soon after, re after returning, the two daughters tortured and raped and the wife eventually the same. All three women killed while the father is tied up and hearing the screams. Two grown men that could do something like this to them. Afterwards, they were caught. Now, when you hear that story, the first thing your emotions say is, my goodness, bring back. They, they deserve the full extent of the law. And you almost hope and you kind of feel glad. And I know this. Many people do. Saying, bring back the death penalty. This was right. They need to get the full extent of the law. What will that father live with the rest of his life? How could that man live? And those of you that are fathers and husbands, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, they were sentenced to death, those two criminals. After a while, though, it was overturned by, I believe, the Supreme Court. Overturned. And when it was overturned, they both were commuted to life in prison. But I remember the outrage that many people felt. You see, emotions are high, but also emotions can get low. After the time passes, after everybody returns to their homes, after those judges and whoever go back to their homes and go back to their lives, there's only one person whose life has been irredeemably shattered. And he has to live with their decision. And I remember how upset he was that they first got the death penalty and it was taken away. Now you can rationalize afterward because there's always going to be groups who say, cruel and unusual punishment, and others say, no, you should have gone through with it. That's the world we live in, both sides. But the believer has to be able, if not to agree with, but at least to empathize with how frustrating and hurtful that could be. Do you know how many stories there are when emotions are running high, including ours? And the first thing you want is that people people need to pay to the full extent of the law. Then you hear about the Central Park joggers, and you hear about the boys. What if there had been a death penalty then because they were screaming for the death penalty and they were innocent boys? When emotions make the final decision without justice having a time to be, to be truly sought and served, what would have happened to them? So if you see where we're going here, I mean, they spent their childhood in prison. What would have happened? My friends, my Christian brothers and sisters, understand this. Take the time to understand who your Lord is and who you are called to be. Don't fan into flame by your words and by your action, anything that's gonna bring about injustice, that's gonna make things worse. And on the flip side, those of you that are so comfortable Comfortable. If you cannot see the plight of victims around you, if you cannot empathize with any mother, any family, with anybody who has lost someone simply because of the color of their skin, if you cannot empathize and relate, then you're part of the problem as well. You see, it's one thing to put this whole long diatribe about what's right and wrong and punishment and sin and da-da-da-da, and then sometimes add a little line as you're typing up your thoughts, a little line that says, now remember, racism is wrong. I don't agree with it. But I've seen people 
who will put a little line, almost like a disclaimer. But there is no cert, there is no biblical, biblical indignation and outrage to the sin that is involved. And very often the same goes the other way as well. So in conclusion, remember this, my brothers and sisters, unrighteousness, oppression, wickedness has always been a part of this planet. It is not exclusively to one group. It's not exclusive in one country. And this may come as a stunner to you and a shock to you, but America still has been better than most countries. If you knew the bloodshed, or if you took time to stop and count, why? Why there has been so much bloodshed that other countries are guilty of with their own people, you'd be stopped. You'd be, you would be shocked. It's staggering the amount of murders and extermination that other countries have done against their own people. And for those who love saying, wow, remember, America's still better than the rest. You know, it's always easy to say that until it's someone you love that the country has taken away or that someone who is waving that flag has, um, has done or justified wicked behavior to take away a loved one from somebody else. The only true just kingdom is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And the Christian here on earth is to be an extension of that, an extension of what justice really looks like, an extension of what love really looks like, an extension of how to truly deal with injustice, how to feel the pain of those who hurt, and how to feel and empathize even with the fear of innocent people who feel as though they're being blamed as well. It's the believer who must take the time to understand where all are coming from. And the news media will not help you to do that. Most, at least many of them won't, I should say. It's not about being a churchgoer. It's about discipleship. It's about walking like Christ. It was discipleship that ended slavery in England. Look at the life of William Wilberforce. Look at what slavery was like in England. And it was Christianity that finally put the death knell on slavery in England. It was Christianity that never made America feel comfortable. I mean, true Christianity that spoke up, that rebelled, that screamed loud in America during the 18th century and during the 19th century, yes, the 1700s and the 1800s, there were those who were screaming how slavery was evil and wickedness. Look at the life of Harriet Beecher Stowe. Look at the life of John Wesley. Look at what they tried to get accomplished because they knew you could not call yourself a Christian country and practice this. They knew it. It was Christianity that finally brought about the end. And when you think about the Roman Empire, when the barbarians finally brought that to an end, it was because of Christianity. Christianity that finally forced Rome to repent of so many things. And at the end, when it was the Visigoths, one of the barbarians that finally uh, put an end to the Roman Empire, you know, when they were taking slaves and when they were taking people as prisoners to have executed, it was only St. Augustine who was able to go in unarmed, one of the great Christians of all time, to go in and remove so many of those who were slated for execution and slavery and have them brought back with him because they knew who St. Augustine was. They knew who he was. My friends, I say all this, to this in conclusion. Do not be a part of the problem. There's a time. There's a time for things. There's a time to speak out 
time to be silent, time to be angry, time to embrace. There's a time to mend and there's a time to heal. God will call you. God is calling you to be a part of the solution, to be a part of the help, not to put any stamp on one side or the other, but to understand that you belong to him and his kingdom. And he's always the one that brings about finally his justice. And he wants you to be a part of it. I pray that this has been helpful to you. I pray my brothers and my sisters that you hear God's message here loud and clear in your life. The time is now, meaning what? now for which one? The time is now for each individual, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has convicted you of, whichever time you've been ignoring or whatever time it is for you to act, it was time for you to do that you will hear the Holy Spirit's calling that you will respond to a world that needs to hear from the brothers and the sisters loud and clear right now in whatever form and fashion and wherever he has placed you. Thank you. I pray that this message again will be encouraging to you and that you will have an awesome and blessed week. God bless you. Thank you very much. Amen. For more information on the Word is Love Ministries, send an email to twil at thebronxchristianchurch.org. That's T-W-I-L as in the word is love at thebronxchristianchurch.org. Or call and leave a message at 888-401-8222.